Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Sunday night game Super Wild Card Weekend is Rams with Matt Stafford back in Detroit against the Rams' old quarterback, Jared Goff, in the first home playoff game for the Lions since 1993. Their last playoff win came in 1991 over the Cowboys. The next week, they came to Washington and got blown out in the NFC title game. And Washington's been searching ever since as well. Uh, Dan Miller has been in Detroit now forever. Of course, I remember as a child listening to him and Doc do a radio show on this station, which I enjoyed thoroughly. Uh, It's been a while now. I was trying to think, what was your last year doing, you know, the Doc and Dan show? For the record, I was a child then as well. Um, (laughs) You and I are basically the same age. I'm kidding with you. uh, Yeah. uh, My last year with Doc was 1997. 97. Wow. So it's been 27 years in Detroit since then. Amazing. Um, Dan's been the voice of the Lions for all of those years. He's also uh, been the sports director and anchor uh, at WJBK Fox Channel 2 in Detroit. You know, before we get to the Lions, and one of the reasons I reached out to you was to talk about Ben Johnson, just how big of a deal was it Michigan winning the national championship compared to everything else sports-wise in Detroit? I mean, it's big. There's no doubt about that. I mean, that's the, there is a powerful fan base here uh, for Michigan. Now, the, there's certainly an equally as powerful fan base for Michigan State. Uh, so it's it's always divided here. Um, you know, if I had to guess, I'd say probably the the number of fans that Michigan has probably outnumbers the number of fans that Michigan State has because I think Michigan pulls in more of the people that didn't necessarily go there, but they just grew up watching Michigan with their families and they love them. And that's not to say that people didn't do that for Michigan state as well, but uh, it's a big deal. And, and Jim Harbaugh coming back originally was a big deal. And, you know, there were questions about whether or not he could actually get it done there because that's why he came back and not beating Ohio state for a lot of years. But when he did come back, raised a lot of questions about whether or not it would ever work out. Well, the past three years, we've seen what he's done against Ohio State. We've seen them make the college football playoff. Didn't go well once they got there, but this year they finally figured things out. And, um, you know, this is 26 years since they won their last national championship. So 
They arrived back home last night. There was a crowd of people waiting at Shen Beckler Hall for them. There'll be a celebration coming up on Saturday. So it's, it's absolutely a big deal uh, with a lot of diehard fans. When you pack 110,000 plus into that stadium, you know, every weekend or in the fall, uh, trust me, there's, there's a lot of love here for Michigan and it runs deep and, and has for many, many years. Yeah, I, I was curious, though, as to like where it ranks. Like, If you were to rank all of the sports teams in, in terms of the level of passion, you know, where do, is Michigan football two behind the Lions? No, I'd say Lions and Tigers at the top. It's a great baseball town. I mean, unfortunately, the team's been lousy for a while. But, I mean, it is the, – the thing about Michigan and Detroit that, that strikes me and – you know, having grown up in D.C., look, D.C. is a very transient area. And, and you know, I grew up in D.C. and, and worked in D.C. And, and you see people move in and out of that city. It's such a, you know, a political town. People come and go with, with elections and things like that. And um, Detroit really runs deep in terms of the roots. You're rooting for the same teams that your fathers did, your grandfathers did, your mothers did, your grandmothers did. And that's not to say that doesn't happen in D.C. It does. But it's a different type of area. There's not as much movement in terms of business and people coming from out of town. And and it's just the one thing that struck me when I got here was, you know, there's such a cross-section, even of fans in D.C., doing a talk show there for many years and and growing up there. You know, you had a lot of friends that came from different places and, and rooted for different teams. Man, in Michigan, you don't get a lot of that. It's people that have been here, stayed here, and just shared these memories with with their family members. And um, so it's baseball is really, really big here. And football, the shield, obviously, with the NFL. The NFL's king, I think, everywhere. So I'd put those two at the top. I'd, I'd you know, Michigan and the – excuse me, the Pistons and Red Wings, both big because they had their runs, and, and, and it was fun. But, you know, when they're – not doing well, you don't feel it quite as much. So I would say it's it's somewhere after those top two. But it's the, the tough thing, Kevin, is just a divide between Michigan State and Michigan. Right. And that runs deep as well. And and you know, green and white, you know, maize and blue, there's a line there, man. And that line runs down the middle of, of this area and you're either on one side of it or the other. And it's 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 pretty significant. So whereas the pro teams can pull everybody together, you have that divide between these two major college teams that, that really kind of, uh, I would say, just kind of cuts the, cuts the big group in half almost. Do you think Harbaugh leaves? Great question. Um, I, I think he's got a wandering eye. I think he's had a wandering eye. I think probably the NCAA situation and, and his frustration with that is probably – pushed him more towards that. And this is just me speculating. He doesn't really share things with much of anybody. So we're all just kind of trying to read the tea leaves. I think the key thing is, is there a job that he wants where they want him? Uh, I think he's smart enough to know that if he goes someplace where they don't have a quarterback or don't have the ability to get a quarterback, it's a license to fail. Uh, He's coached in the NFL before. He knows what it's all about. He had success in San Francisco. He's been to a Super Bowl. So I think he knows how to be critical about his offers and and what might be out there. So I guess it's a long-winded way of saying, I think if the right situation comes up, he could go. But that right situation has to be there, and it has to be one that they want him and he wants them. So uh, the one I'd watch 
is the Chargers, where you have a quarterback. He's got a history in Southern California. Um, so, and, and there is a, a bit of a lure there for him. So that's the one I, I'd kind of keep an eye on. The Chicago one was one that people talked about because he played for the Bears. That one's not currently open. I talked to somebody in Chicago yesterday who said, you know, not a done deal yet that he's definitely going to survive. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Well, but it looks like I Schefter just I reported Eberflus is staying. What's that? Oh, today they saying that? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go then. That that takes that one off the board. So um, those are the two that you heard most about just because of his history in Chicago and then with the, the Chargers because of he does have some history in Southern California and then – the fact that they have an established quarterback will make that job, I think, popular with anybody. Do you think that Washington would be a place that would interest him right down the road from his brother, the number two pick in the draft with, you know, perhaps three quarterbacks that'll go one, two, uh, one, two, three in some order. How do you think he'd view Washington? I I think it would be intriguing uh, because not only do you have that, you got a ton of cap space. So I think that, that you have a number of draft picks, Key being, you have the second pick overall, so you're going to be able to draft a quarterback. Um, and I, I think that that would be something that he would look at. The pieces that I would say, from my point of view, the boxes that he'd want to check, Washington would be able to check. So I, I think that would be one that would make some sense as well. Um, probably a little more of a rebuild, but you know, fresh ownership and the ability to kind of do things with the, the flexibility that they have with the cap and, and with the draft picks, I think it would be intriguing to him. So, yeah, I think that one makes sense as well. I think, you know, look, we know the jobs that, that maybe don't look. That he's been rumored Raiders as well. I don't know. They don't have a quarterback. Do they have the avenue to even get one? I don't think anybody really wants to go to Carolina unless they have to. Somebody will go there because it's a job, but that ownership just seems to be a nightmare. So, um, I think there's a lot going for Washington right now that's going to make that appealing to anybody that talks to them with new ownership and with all of the assets that they have that you can get started and build a team. We're talking to the voice, longtime voice of the Detroit Lions, Dan Miller, who's from here, worked at this station for many years doing a show uh, with Doc, uh, and he joins us right now courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline. So before we get to the Lions and their matchup against the Rams and the the excitement for that, uh, around here there is a new you know president of football ops hire that's going to happen and then a new head coach. And already the reports are they've requested interviews, as everybody will, with Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn. So let's start with Ben Johnson. What would make Ben Johnson an outstanding head coach? Uh, he's a brilliant offensive mind. Uh, what he's done with this offense, turning it into a, a high-scoring, consistent group, rehabilitating Jared Goff's career. You know, when he left L.A., everybody thought, yeah, not much left there. And L.A. had kind of kicked him to the curb. Well, they brought him here, and Jared has been terrific. Uh, and, and really started with not much in 2021 when he became – started getting more involved in the offense towards the end of that year than took over as the offensive coordinator in 2022. Um, he will be great in the room. Uh, he presents himself extremely well. Uh, he's got the demeanor of a head coach. Uh, there's just a lot to like about him. He's young. He's, he's got a lot of energy. Um, I, I will tell you, anybody that sits down with him 
is going to walk away extremely impressed. And I think his resume speaks for itself. Doesn't have a ton of, uh, of experience as a coordinator, just two years. Uh, but he's been around the league for a while. Players like him. Um, there's, there's, ben Johnson is, is going to get a head coaching job, I think, this offseason. I think he might have last year. But he decided to come back to Detroit, and I'm sure they probably gave him plenty of reason to want to come back in terms of money and felt like there was unfinished business. And, you know, they, they won the division. They're going to the playoffs. So I think he can probably walk out. And I, th- I think in some ways, I'm guessing Ben Johnson also looked at this last year and told himself there will be offers down the road and I can probably use another year before I move on. So I think it was a smart move by him as well. He had one year as a coordinator. Um, when he took when he was taking meetings last year so I think it was a really well thought out move on his part to come back and I think he's going to be a very popular guy when it comes to meetings this year requests this year and teams this year and I think quite frankly he can be choosy he's a Carolina guy went to North Carolina he grew up there but I just think that job is going to scare people I I, there's just I don't think he's going to end up there I think it'll end up being somewhere else and what about Aaron Glenn, you know, defensive coordinator in Detroit with Campbell since 21? What about him as a potential head coach candidate? If you saw that recent poll where he was voted as the best coordinator or whatever that was, most liked coordinator or coordinator you'd most like to play for recently, he players love him. Uh, he is a tough guy, but he is a fair guy. You know exactly where you stand with Aaron Glenn. Um, the defenses here have been spotty, right. but to be honest with you, the talent has been spotty. Uh, much more to work with on Ben Johnson's side of the ball than Aaron Glenn's side of the ball. Um, Aaron Glenn has been there as a player in this league. He was a terrific player in this league. He has been an assistant coach, spent a good deal of time in, in New Orleans. Uh, that's where he and Dan Campbell worked together. He worked under Sean Payton there. Uh, he's played for some great coaches in his career. So I, I think everything in terms of what you look for in terms of, of the guy's resume, his past, who, who's he you know, based his career on and, and played for and been around, um, there's, a, again, Aaron Glenn. I, I anticipate there's a good chance we're going to lose both our coordinators this year like the Eagles did last year. Um, it just might be Aaron Glenn's time. And, and, again, I think the powerful thing about Glenn is his presence his strength, his ability to motivate players, and the way players react to him. He's a tough guy, but as I said, a fair guy, and players appreciate that. They just want to know where they stand. You can coach them hard, but just don't tell them one thing and do another. Aaron Glenn doesn't do that. Uh, I think he will be another guy that will sit down with search committees and they'll walk away impressed. He's, He's just a... He's got that kind of demeanor about him, that kind of presentation about him, and I think he will be a good head coach somewhere and and understands how to surround himself with a good staff, and I think that it's going to be a very interesting offseason for him as well. Dan Miller Fox 2 on Twitter. That's at Dan Miller Fox, the number two on Twitter. All right, so let's talk about the Lions. Um, We got a lot of Lions this year, you know, in every other city, much more so than we've gotten in a lot of years, you know, from the opener against the Chiefs to some high-profile games 
throughout the year. I thought, you know, before that Baltimore game, Dan, I thought that the most impressive thing about Detroit in that moment was how improved they were defensively. But that changed during the course of the season. So how do you view this team heading into the postseason? Uh, We'll talk about the Rams matchup overall, but, you know, they're the third seed. How big of a threat do you think they are to get to the Super Bowl? You know, I think they they can – they are a threat, but I think they have questions. So I think you go into this thing. Uh, I don't feel like they have to take a back seat to anybody. I don't think that we're at a point with this team where you can put them on the field and you feel good about it. It doesn't mean they're going to win, but I think there have been years certainly where you, you looked at this team and maybe they snuck into the playoffs and you just didn't feel like, you know, they were there to play with the top teams. I think this team can I think even going down to Dallas and all the garbage that went down at the end of that game. Look, well, that you got you guys got robbed team. in that game in 2014, yeah, completely there's, robbed. Yeah, I mean, it's look. Um, if you stand in front of a man and tell him what you're going to do before the game, and then you do exactly what you tell him you're going to do. Oh, I thought you were talking about the playoff out. game. I thought you were talking oh, about the playoff game. Yeah, yeah we, the, the flag picked up in that game. That yeah, the flag was, picked up cost you the game. Now oh, you're talking about the Saturday night game. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. The Saturday game was equally as stupid. But anyway, that was a team that was averaging 40 points a game. They had won 15 straight games at home. And I think that that even walking out of there with that loss, I think that told this team they can play with anybody if they didn't already know that. And I think they did, quite frankly. And and I think you walked out of there not feeling like you'd lost a game, but that you'd had something taken away from you. And that's a different conversation for a different time. But it, it, it allowed them, I think, to understand that here's this team that had, that had been on a roll at home. You went in there and traded punches with them, and you were right there at the end. Um, they, there's some questions, and, and I know you said we'll get to the Rams, de- the Rams matchup, but the questions are on defense. And right now, the weakness for the Lions is their ability to stop the pass and eliminate big chunk plays. And you're going up against the team with Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Puka Nakua. And that's the matchup that I think gives you pause about this game with the Rams. They've got to find some way to pressure Stafford, got to find some way to get him on the ground. The Rams and the Lions both are coming in this game with with the least amount of sacks among the 14 playoff teams. So whichever team can maybe generate some pass rush and force Goff into mistakes or force Stafford into mistakes might be the team that ends up winning this game. But you're talking about playing into the weakness versus playing into the strength. And I think that's, as I break this game down, look, I think the Lions match up well against this Rams defense. I think the Lions should be able to get some things done. I feel that way most weeks because they got a lot of pieces over there. But what what you have to see play out in the last three weeks, Justin Jefferson has lit the Lions up. C.D. Lamb has lit the Lions up. And you're going in against two really good receivers in this game with a quarterback that can spin it. So that's where my eye goes in this one. So on golf. Is it just about if you put him in third and long and you pressure him, that's where he has issues? You know, I, I don't know that. I, I, I don't think I would put it that in that kind of box. I think it's a strange thing because Jared's turnovers seem to come in bunches, and I can't tell you why, because he'll then go several games without an issue. But it just seems like there are times where it just kind of 
it just bubbles up and it becomes a problem. If you look at the Lions' losses uh, since they started one and six last year, then finished eight and two, and then went twelve and five this year. If you look at their losses, now look, this is probably true around most of the National Football League because turnovers are the biggest indicators of winning and losing. But man, the, the games they've lost have been games where he has just not been good with the football. Not not always his fault. There's receiver issues and things like that, breakdowns on the offensive line, free runners, things like that. So I, I don't know if it's that clean, but I think it is. There are just some times where, where Jared is, is a little bit loose with the ball and the turnovers become a problem, and they have a tough time sometimes recovering from that. So, um, look, he's been really good. This offense has been flying for two years now. Um, and the, the thing that this team – has put most of their assets into is that offensive line. It's one of, if not the best in football. And he feels very comfortable behind that offensive line. They have the best running game they've had since Barry Sanders was on the team this year. They have been able to control the ball on the ground and then they can throw it as well. So um, the offense with golf is what gives you reason to believe you can play with anybody in this league and win against anybody in this league this time of year. It's the other side of the ball where I think most of the questions are. That being said, your point is a good one. Jared's got to, Jared's got to have ball security. If he doesn't, historically, that's where this team runs into major problems. It just seems, whether it was with Sean or you know with Ben Johnson, when they are on schedule and they got play action and they got bootleg going, he is lethal. And uh, if it's not, then it it seems to be more problematic. We're talking to Dan Miller. Two more for you. I appreciate the time. First is this. How will Matt Stafford be received? It's a playoff game. It's the first home playoff game in 30 years in Detroit. But I'm just curious. I don't think he's been back, right? He hasn't hasn't been back to Detroit. No, we went there. We went there in uh, 21. uh, So how beloved was he? How will he be received? Uh, beloved, appreciated, uh, gave this franchise everything he had. Um, man, never really had the pieces around him that he needed. Obviously, had a Hall of Fame receiver in Calvin Johnson, but I think the highest they ever had for a running game was 13th, and most of the time they were somewhere 26 to 32. Um, he dragged this team up and down the field to wins and willed them to wins and did it most of the time after being you know beat up and and figuring out some way to bandage up and get back out there. So massive respect for Matthew and what he did here. And even when he asked to leave, I think people understood that it just kind of run its course and it was time for him to move on. Um, you, I don't know the answer to your question. And I have tried to figure that out. I think there's great appreciation for Matthew. I think if this were a regular season game, they would give him a massive ovation sure. and they still might on Sunday night. But once that initial hey, welcome back, we appreciate you, is gone. It's going to be Matthew is playing for the other team, and they just want to take him down. I mean, the, the, the intensity on Sunday night will be like nothing we have seen in Detroit in a long, long time. These fans have been waiting for this. These fans have been just every season hoping that possibly this could be the year. It's been 30 years since they won a division. 30 years since they had a playoff game at home. Never had a playoff game at Ford Field, even though the building's been open for more than two decades. It's going to be crazy on Sunday night. So your question, I have run it in my mind. I don't know what the initial reaction is going to be. 
But once that's over, he's playing for the other team, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Well, you answered the last question is just how – I mean, I watched that Barry Sanders doc, which I thought was excellent on Amazon – and they, you know, they they did the, the the Cowboy playoff game, which was the last playoff game that Detroit won, uh, yeah. which came all the way back after the '91 season. And they said there was never an environment like that at any Lions game before. So we'll probably see that Sunday night um, as well. Um, enjoy it. Uh, and I think you know, the, I think the Lions are one of those teams where NFL fans, in in the same way that maybe the Browns. NFL fans who don't have a horse in the race right now or a dog in the fight are kind of rooting for. So enjoy it. Have fun. Good luck. I appreciate it. We are, we are looking forward to it. It's been a long time coming. So it's, it's the, the best thing about it is just seeing these fans get some payoff after everything they've put into it. So it's going to be, uh, it'll be electric on, on Sunday night and that those fans will do their part. As most coaches will tell you, it's up to the players to get them involved. So got to go out there and, and do the job. It's going to be fun. 980 legend, Dan Miller, boys and girls. It's been 27 years, but I certainly remember. And a lot of the listeners do as well. Uh, thanks for doing this. Hope you're well. Take care. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Kev. Yep. Dan Miller uh, at Dan Miller. Fox 2, likes Ben Johnson, likes Aaron Glenn a lot as a potential head coach. We'll do some Denton news. There were some interesting uh, basketball moments last night in college and in the NBA. Uh, And then we'll finish up with Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports. He's got his latest and really first true mock draft out with the order uh, in which teams will be selecting. We'll do that at 1235. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980, the Team980.com. We're free and live on the Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hitting the news you might have missed, it's Denton's Daily News. All right, Denton, what do you got? All right, so a couple of big things, but I want to start with some news in the NFL, Kevin. Apparently, uh, Wink Martindale is done in New York. It hasn't been official yet, but he cursed out Brian Dable over defensive firings of uh, Drew and Kevin uh, Wilkins, who were on his staff. Apparently, those were his two right-hand guys on defense. 
and then abruptly left the facility and went back to his home in Florida. So it looks like Wink Martindale uh, might be on the job hunt once again. Yeah, the problem with that is, is he if he resigns, he loses three million bucks next year in salary. This is not, you know, what coordinators do. Coordinators with with multi year deals allow themselves to get fired. So he rushed out of that building, pissed off that two of his um, assistants on the defensive side were going to be let go. Uh, basically, cursed out Dable. They don't apparently have the best of relationships. Uh, and, you know, got on the first flight to Sarasota uh, where he's got a place on the west coast of Florida. He better get his ass back um, if he wants that money and allow himself to get fired Um, because apparently in the contract, if he does resign, he doesn't get paid, and the Giants can prevent him from taking a job immediately with somebody else if he resigns. So Wink Martindale's an outstanding defensive coordinator. He had some issues with uh, with John Harbaugh as well in Baltimore, which is why they eventually parted ways. So he's an outstanding scheme-it-up defensive coordinator. And the giant defense was actually not that bad this year. I mean, part of it was they were on the field just so much you know, with, through all of the quarterbacks and all of the ineptitude offensively. Um, Unless they were playing Washington, of course, uh, <laughs> but they, um, they they they're pretty good d- defensively and and pretty well coached defensively. Nobody has a problem with Wink Martindale in terms of his ability to dial it up, but apparently he you know kind of rubs people the wrong way. He likes to have his own little fiefdom uh, without really reporting to anybody other than to himself. And it divided the Giants. I was reading about this this morning in multiple giant sort of, you know, blog publications. And it, it's been a separate, you know, offense, defense, completely separate and almost at odds since he got there. Look, they won last year. What did they win? 11 games last year. They won a playoff game last year. Um, he'll get a job as a defensive coordinator. Um, but he's done in, 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 in New York. He just better get back there to get his money. Uh, are you familiar with the the current Stanley Cup craze that is sweeping the nation at the moment? No. Are, do you know what a Stanley is? I swear to God, is? I'm not. This, this is not. See, your first thought, I'm sure, was the Stanley Cup about the the hockey. Oh, is this the the thing about? Um, is it some sort of a product it that is, has nothing to do with hockey? It has nothing to do with hockey. It's uh, called a Stanley. It's a a bottle that is primarily used by women. It's a forty ounce bottle that. Uh, women love, right? They can just carry their big old Stanley around. Well, they've been lying. Apparently, there's a new one that dropped. Is like a Starbucks exclusive. What do you one. mean they can just carry it around? I'm, I'm, I'm putting it right. So it's a cup. Cup, yes, yeah. It's like okay. forty ounces. It encourages them to drink water because apparently, uh, my girlfriend. Well, everybody has should one. drink lots of water. Yeah, my girl tells me it makes it so much easier when she has a Stanley. I don't know why. I just stopped asking questions, and I bought it for her for Christmas. So she has one because I'm a good boyfriend, but there are, like, women lining up like it's a, a midnight sneaker drop uh, at, like, Targets and Walmarts to make sure they can get the, the, the new Stanley. It is like anything I've ever seen before. It's I wish I could people watch just to see how some of these women react when they get their new Stanleys. Man. I got to watch more of the Today Show, you know, um, <laughs> to really stay up on this, these kinds of things. I, 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 when you, I think I actually have barely heard of it, but I wasn't exactly sure what it was. But marketing, man, marketing. It's a cup. 
It looks like one of those, you know, coffee th- uh, things that people carry around um, with coffee in it. This would be this would be one that would would have gone up, and they would have said, "Okay, um, what are you selling it for?" And what are the margins? That's great, but how many have you sold? It's just a cup. And they, well, we did $1.3 million uh, in the last 10 months. And then they would be like, oh, now we're talking. We got sales. But it still would be like, what's, how is I mean, it? It's, you know, keep it cool for a while. There's, um, but there's no, like, proprietary technology. There's nothing that's, right? No, it's, okay. it's just captured okay, the imagination. Okay, the Stanley. I'll yeah. look it up if. If my wife wants one, I think I can afford it. How much does it retail for? Uh, like forty-five dollars. Okay, forty-five bucks. <laughs> yeah. Seriously? Uh, yeah. I'm oh serious. my god, that is that is a high margin product. I would guess. So you say one point three million dollars in sales in the past ten months? They've done that in like the past ten hours. I know. I mean, I'm just giving flying. you like Shark Tank. Like when you get one of these products and everybody's like, it's just a cup. You know, and then they're like, all right, well, what are you selling it for? $45. $45. What does it cost you to make? $1.42. Pretty good margins, but okay, <laughs> let's get to the, let's cut to the chase here. How many have you sold? And then all of a sudden, somebody will say, yeah, we did $1.6 million in 2022. Uh, and we're, and then th- their jaws drop because they're looking at the product saying, well, how did that happen? Um, but anyway, all right, continue. What else do you have? uh, One final thing here. Two big upsets in college basketball. Houston falls to Iowa State. They're the number two ranked team in the nation. Purdue, the number one ranked team that came and played Maryland just uh, earlier this week. They lose to Nebraska 88-72. Yeah, the number one and number two teams in the country last night lost on the same night to two teams who were unranked. Uh, That has only happened eight times in the history of the Associated Press poll. Um, I actually am surprised that it's happened eight times. Now, I, I'm, uh, I actually really believe um, in Houston, and I have for a while. Uh, that's a a sound basketball team. It's a very well coached team by Kelvin Sampson. Um, I don't think Sampson's ever leaving Houston. He's got a really good gig. I love him as a coach. He's one of the best coaches in the country, and he's won everywhere he's gone. Houston made a Final Four, right? They did make a Final Four with Houston a couple of years ago. Yes, yeah. Didn't they? They made the Final Four a couple of years ago, I'm pretty sure, because they beat Rutgers in a game in which they almost lost in that tournament. Anyway, um, they lost on the road against Iowa State. Uh, and then Nebraska, Nebraska beats Purdue handily, 88-72. to 72. A team coached by Fred Hoiberg, who, by the way, went to Iowa State, who beat Houston. But Nebraska has this kid on their team who, as a Big Ten fan, I've been watching for a couple of years. He's Japanese. His last name is Tomnaga. And for the last couple of years in watching him, you're like, wow, Japanese player, but he's good. You don't see a lot of Japanese players in college or the pros. GW had that player that was really good a few years ago who is in the NBA, I'm pretty sure. Watanabe or something like that. I think I think that's how it's pronounced. But anyway, this kid was a wizard as a ball handler, super athletic and quick and could really shoot it. Well, he's having a hell of a year in his senior 
year. And last night, I didn't see this game. I was not watching the game, but I watched the highlights of this game. They couldn't check him. He was five for nine from behind the arc. He had 19 to lead Nebraska. They blow out Purdue 88-72. I just saw Purdue in person against the Terps. Maryland is a an, an offensively challenged team, um, but Nebraska is 13 and three now uh, on the year. Like they've been really one of the worst teams in the Big Ten for a few years, but. They're good. They beat they beat Indiana a couple of weeks ago by double digits. They beat K-State. They beat Michigan State early on. So look out for Nebraska. Um, good win for them. And he's a fun player to watch. Like he's he's super, super quick. All right, what else? That's all I got for you. All right. Um, well, then we should go to Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports. He's got his first mock draft out. He'll join us next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Winter's here next week, supposed to be brutally cold for the first time this winter. If you've been thinking about new windows, now's the time to act. Call Window Nation at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Mention my name, Kevin Sheehan. You'll get a free estimate, so you've got nothing to lose. You'll also have access to their best deal of the year. 0% interest, interest rates for five years and 50% off all style of windows. So you're paying half price on the windows. And if you choose to finance the purchase, you're not going to pay any interest until the year 2029. Window Nation has installed as many windows as any window retailer in America. 96% of their installs go off without any sort of issue and require no follow-up service. They're trusted by over 200,000 homeowners, including me. 86690Nation, windownation.com, 0% interest for five years, 50% off all style of windows. You'll save thousands on your new windows and your energy bills simultaneously while upgrading the look and feel of your home. 86690Nation, windownation.com. Com. Jumping on with us right now, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline, Bet Smarter, Beat the Books, download the BetQL app today, or visit BetQL.com, is Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports. He's got his mock draft with the correct order of the way the teams will be picking, at least 1 through 18, out this morning, which we'll talk about here, here in a moment. Chris, you can follow on Twitter, at Chris Trapasso. Let's just start with a couple of the big items from this week, and that is 
Mike Vrabel, why did that happen? And why didn't Tennessee attempt to get some compensation back for him, Chris? I have no idea. I mean, there was the report that came out from uh, the Athletics' Diana Rossini that stated the Titans thought it would be too complicated and take too long to figure out compensation or if there would be a team willing to trade for Mike Vrabel, which I get that. Teams don't want to be left out in the cold and, and, and see hot head coaching candidates get hired, and then suddenly it's after the Super Bowl, they don't have their new head coach as you're preparing for the free agency and the combine. Like We know how jam-packed even the NFL offseason uh, schedule is but in what you were alluding to it, it was kind of a surprising firing because I think uh, we all agree that not only was Mike Vabrell a above 500 coach in Tennessee uh, got them into the playoffs won games in the playoffs um, but he would always have that team playing hard down the stretch to get that win against the Jaguars in in week 18 to knock Jacksonville out of the playoffs they lost a bunch of close games down the stretch they could have been one of the teams in that loaded AFC wildcard race. I just think he is one of the best coaches and it would have behooved the charge or the Titans, excuse me, for just saying, look, we have a valuable commodity that other teams want. If we do want to let go of him, they should have looked on the trade market. I, I know we don't see it a lot, um, but Vrabel, I think is that good of a coach, probably a top five to top seven head coach in the NFL. They probably could have gotten something substantial for him. And that's a team that certainly needs that as they're rebuilding. Yeah, because they they have not gotten it right on the quarterback. I mean, maybe Will Levis is the mm-hmm. right guy, but with Ryan Tannehill, they went into Baltimore as a number one seed and beat the crap out of him a few years ago. Yeah. And I always felt like he was check, you know, was chess to checkers in a lot of the matchups in terms of his in-game strategy. Before we talk about where he lands, what happens with Belichick? Still nothing on that front. I'm surprised there hasn't been any news on this. I think it's maybe it's complicated, of course, because of his legacy and, and, and winning all those Super Bowls. Um, but it just seems like a perfect time for this organization to move forward. And what we were just alluding to with Mike Vrabel, I think that is the obvious hire for the Patriots. Relatively young, of course, won Super Bowls with Bill Belichick. It would be an easy sell to fans. And I just think it would be a very good hire because like what you mentioned is in-game management and just getting lesser talented teams to play up to the competition, um, whether it be beating Baltimore as a lower seed when that Ravens team had an MVP in Lamar Jackson and was the one seed. Or like I just mentioned, in, in week 18 with technically nothing to play for, to play one of the best games of the season to beat a team in the uh, Jaguars that was desperate to get in. So I think just to kind of jump ahead maybe of your next question, I think Vrabel to the New England Patriots makes the most sense. And maybe it's just Robert Kraft isn't sure how to quite handle the timeline with something as complicated as maybe even firing Bill Belichick after all he did for that organization the last 20 plus years. We're talking to Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports. Uh, before we get to your mock draft and some of the things and trades around it, um, tell me what you think of Washington right now. Like, just do you have a hunch? Do you have any thoughts as to wh- you know where they go on the president of football ops hire, and then where they go on the head coach hire? What's really complicated in my mind for Washington is actually kind of a, a good problem to have, that they have Eric Bieniemy on staff. And I know down the stretch, post-trade deadline, after they, they 
move away from Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Um, that the team and Sam Howell together really collapsed and just did not play the inspired football that they did in the first two months of the season. But I think with Eric Bieniemy, you have someone that I think still created a scheme that was very conducive to success for a young quarterback, a fifth rounder in Sam Howell that had only played one game going into his second season. Um, the offensive line was not great. He took a lot of sacks, but a lot of open receivers. So it's kind of like, to have him already in-house when he's someone that has gotten head coaching interviews in the past. And a lot of people, including myself, believe that he probably already should be a head coach. I don't know if that complicates things for um, ownership to kind of sell to an outside hire, or do they want to elevate Eric Bieniemy, bring in someone on the defensive side? Um, of course, a gigantic decision, not only for their new owner, Josh Harris, but the fact that they have the number two overall pick and likely whoever that, director of director of football operations is and the new head coach, they're going to have to pick between probably Drake may um, and Jaden Daniels with that number two pick and getting that quarterback position, right. Um, just again, assuming that they're going to, I don't want to say move on from Sam Howell, but with that number two pick probably go quarterback can be the difference in drafting a Patrick Mahomes or drafting a Mitch Trubisky. So I think um, very complicated, but it's not a bad problem to have to already have someone, with the Super Bowl winning pedigree and just the creativity on offense in Eric Bieniemy on the staff already. I think your take on Bieniemy would be a big surprise for a lot of people around here okay. after watching Bieniemy as the OC. Is this more of a hunch or do you do you know anything re- with respect to kind of the ownership's direction on Bieniemy? No, it's no inside info. It's it's just kind of a hunch um, and just from someone who, which I'm sure you and all your listeners have as well, I watched every single drop back from all the commander's quarterbacks this season, Sam Howell. Um, and I, again, still think that the scheme was very good. There was a lot of creativity, certainly times where Sam Howell, again, took too many sacks and maybe waited a little too long to throw the football, took too many hits. But also, again, a fifth-round quarterback that teams passed up over and over again just one year ago made some incredible throws down the field. And you have Terry McLaurin, but I don't know if the rest of the receiver group and the offensive line you would put in even the top half of the league. So I still think what Biennemi was doing from a scheme perspective with the assets that he had on offense I think was still very good. And, you know, there was that early in the season that he's maybe riding the players a little bit too hard. Then there was a stretch where by that game in Seattle that Washington was right there in the, in the NFC wildcard race. Again, it didn't ultimately pan out, um, but I still think he is a valuable commodity to have on this staff. And why it's complicated is because if you hire a head coach, he's going to have to be, be able to uh, get along with Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. Are their visions the same offensively, defensively? It's not cut and dry like a lot of these other teams where they fire the head coach and it's completely start from scratch to have the enemy. Maybe you could look at it and say, oh, that's kind of uh, too many cooks in the kitchen. But to me, to have his mind and what he did with Patrick Mahomes, and again, what I saw on film was good with Sam Howell, okay. I think that's a good problem to have. All right, let's talk about your, your mock draft, which you put out okay. uh, this morning. We now have the order of the first 18 anyway. You do have Chicago taking Caleb Williams number one overall, and I think that becomes almost a slam dunk after they got rid of Luke Getze and the quarterback coach earlier. So where does Justin Fields land? So 
So in this mock draft, I have them going, or I have him traded to the Atlanta Falcons. That I maybe was just reading the tea leaves that ultimately won't come to really any fruition. But Arthur Blank, although they did sign Taylor Heineke, um, mentioned that oh maybe we should have hit the veteran quarterback market a little harder. Um, we thought we had something with Desmond Ritter. Well, that ultimately didn't happen. So I, I could see them saying, look, we can maybe get a player who did show a little bit of signs of being competent at the quarterback spot down the stretch in Justin Fields. Maybe it was the offensive coordinator holding him back, the lack of weapons outside of DJ Moore. And I think if you're Chicago, just based on, and I wrote this in the mock, from a team-building perspective, from a financial perspective, right. I think you have to trade Justin Fields at this point because it's been three years. He hasn't taken so much of a step where you want to extend him. You have the number one pick again. To pass on the quarterbacks would be, I think, almost uh, negligent by the uh, uh, front office. And Caleb Williams, to me, it's close. I think Drake May will, will get consideration, but I think he's the best quarterback in this draft class, and that's the direction that the Bears have to go in. All right. Then on the clock is Washington. Um, I don't think there's any doubt at this point that most people would think that quarterback is their number one offseason need. Uh, you've got him taking a quarterback. Tell him very close to Caleb Williams. I know Caleb Williams wins the Heisman a year ago. He's flashier. He was the top quarterback recruit um, at USC. Was sensational there with Lincoln Riley in North Carolina. I thought Drake May was just as good when it comes to uh, the translatable skills at the quarterback spot. He's bigger. He's not quite as improvisationally brilliant as Caleb Williams, but at 6'4 and 220, 225, Drake May was used in the designed run game. Like he is a plus athlete. Uh, there early on in his career when he showed as, you know, a freshman that he probably had a bright NFL future, instantly the Justin Herbert comparisons w- were thrown out there. And I thought at the time, all right, we need to see this for more than a season. He did it for three seasons, big time arm, won't have the strongest arm in the league when he enters it, but a, probably a top 10 arm right away um, is willing to make any throw on the field and can do it. If he throws an interception. He doesn't get tentative. Um, the pocket presence is there. He reads the entire field. I think he is as good of a prospect as you're going to see at the top of a draft because he ticks all the boxes. Maybe again, Caleb Williams is, is the pick because of the creativity He's a little bit of a twitchier athlete, but if you're understanding, all right, quarterbacks today, they need to throw from the pocket and be mobile and be smart with the football. That's what the commanders would get with Drake May at number two. Drake May at number two ahead of Jaden Daniels, who you have going three to New England. Um, real quickly, just because I, I I looked at this earlier this morning, you only had one other quarterback in the first round, and it's the one that hasn't been mentioned as much. Um, and you've got Bo Nix going at number 12 uh, to Denver. Uh, do you think Penix Jr. hurt himself Monday night? I think he did. I mean, I don't think smart team – I mean, some teams might totally drop him from that performance. I think most of the smart teams – We'll say, look, you know, the offensive line got overwhelmed. There were some seemingly problems with the snap count where some offensive linemen weren't blocking right away. Um, it was the best secondary that they probably faced all season. They're not going to drop him from, you know, top 10 pick down to the third round. But I do think it will have an impact because 
it exposed Michael Penix's limitations that even though early in his career at Indiana, he moved around a little bit as he settled in and was, you know, illustrious at Washington. He's not that mobile. He's not someone that is going to make defenders miss run, pick up a first down on third and eight with his legs. Can he move around in the pocket? Sure. But I, I think that game will be fresh in the mind of teams to say, look, if we do have to face a really good pass rush, can he create yep. outside of structure? Not necessarily. So I think with Bo Nix, um, he also was a big recruit like Caleb Williams, definitely more just smoother as an athlete. And I think I put him there to uh, the Broncos at 12. Yep. At Oregon, a lot of it was schemed open, screens, tunnel screens, RPOs, a lot of quick decisions and underneath throwing. And I think that's exactly what Sean Payton wants in his quarterback, more so than that ad liver like Russell Wilson. So I, I really like that fit. I think some teams would think that's way too early for Bo Nix because he didn't make a ton of those yep. awesome downfield throws. I like the fit in Denver for Good uh, job. Bo Nix if they move on from Russell Wilson. I got to run. Great job, Chris. Really appreciate the time. Take care. All right. Thank you. Chris Russell up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 